Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are back for our final March Madness Edition episode. And I believe we are episode 26 total of the Blue Bloods podcast. Is that right, Brandon? Oh, I want to say 27, but you might be right. I think it's 26. I think I haven't, I don't count our bonus interview episodes. Oh, Um, okay. So I just 26. Okay, yeah. Uh, or our game time interviews is what kind of what we've been calling them. But um, yeah, uh, which speaking of, we've got some pretty good guests coming up um, on the docket. We are hoping to really load up the late spring and summer with just ideally guest. a weekly, a weekly guest every week. Awesome. But it, but at least you know every other week something to get us. To the college football season. All right, Brandon, before we really even get started, I've got a lot of things to get off my chest right now. So just like give me the floor for a couple of minutes here. First yours, off, man. if you're watching on YouTube, you probably noticed that my background looks a little different. Well, I just moved, which is also why we are doing this episode several days late because it was, it's been an awful move. Great crew that moved us. They were awesome. Um, that helped us move, but getting settled and getting situated with a seven-year-old and a soon-to-be one-year-old, mm. whew, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. And I'm I'm trying to make this, this area work. I got a vision for it. It hasn't all come together. Uh, once mm-hmm. I get it all together, I will kind of break it down what I've got going. I don't even know how much of my background you can see if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening, you can't see anyways, whatever. That's number one. Number two, B. Holmes, last night was a special night for me. My father, who is a public figure, I'll just leave it at that, um, (laughs) was having sort of a send-off type night, and it was a special fundraiser for a nonprofit that he's a part of, or that he started with my stepmom, and um, I had the opportunity to speak at it. And there was kind of a who's who's list of guest speakers at this event, as well as just guests attending this event. So that, Mm -hmm. again, was another reason why I continued to push back the day we were going to record. It's like we were set to record one day and I was like, hey, hey, can you do tomorrow? And you were like, yeah, sure. And then the next day, I was like, hey, can you do tomorrow? It was either because my room wasn't set up, my equipment wasn't set up, everything was in boxes, everything was packed. I didn't have any time to get everything set up. Then I finally get everything set up and I've got to then I start thinking about, oh, my goodness, I got to make sure I'm prepared. I got something to say. Nobody knows who I am. I'm the least known person on this lineup of speakers. Right. But it all came together. So it was a great night. Um, In fact, shout out to Mark Fine, uh, who some of you may have seen. He's been on NBA on TNT. He's filled in for Ernie Johnson. Uh, He was a big time uh, sports anchor in Florida. He's a Miami guy. He's local in Irving, uh, uh, works in a, in a TV production company in Irving. He was actually the MC of the event, did a phenomenal job. I got a chance awesome. to connect and visit with him. I'm hoping that uh, that, that, that you know, connection, alignment, relationship, whatever you want to call it, could, could evolve into something cool as it pertains to what we're building with uh, the Blue Bloods podcast and collegegametime.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of sure. cool to be Holmes, actually, because I showed him the website. And the first thing he said was, oh, y'all got my team right there at the top. Oh, yeah. I wrote about Miami that because week. Because you wrote about the Miami Hurricanes, and that was the, the, the featured year. article at that point in time. Well, if mm-hmm. you go 
look at the website right now, chances are there's probably a new featured article, um, which is the next thing I need to get off my chest, which is Josh Connerly Jr., the last remaining five-star prospect for the 2022 class. He's an offensive lineman, the top-rated offensive lineman in the country. He's a top-10 overall player rated in the country from uh, Seattle, Washington. Delayed, took his time on making his college decision. He's also a star basketball player. He was a center on the very uh, uh, prestigious program that he was a part of. The name of it is slipping my mind. I think, is it Rainier Beach, maybe? Rainier Beach? Yeah, Rain- Rainier Beach. Uh, like Isaiah Thomas and those guys played there. I believe. And Jamal Crawford, Jamal Crawford, I believe. Yeah. So McGraw. he was a part of that basketball program, wanted to finish out his basketball season before really finishing out his football recruitment. He took a couple visits in January, and then after the basketball season, he took a couple more visits. He went to Oregon. He went to USC. Going into tonight, going in, and and, and sorry, we are recording right now on a Friday night. We never record on a Friday night, but that's what we're doing this week because of everything I'm telling you right now. I made a video about Josh Connerly Jr. a month, a month and a half ago. It got a great response and was very well received on YouTube. Got a few thousand hits. Got us a lot of subscribers, which mm-hmm. thank you so much for that. So I figured, hey, when it comes time for him to make a decision, now that we got the website up and running, I'll put together a little quick article, quick write-up mm-hmm. on whoever he commits to, put it out there, and you know, see if we can get some more engagement and interaction with people who are reading and listening to our content. Right. The 99% predictions were all leaning towards USC. Mm-hmm. The odds favorite, the Vegas odds were all leading towards USC. Everyone thought this kid was a USC lock. So I went, I wrote the article as if he was going to commit to USC. I went and made all the graphics, which by the way, collegegametime.com, everything you see on the website, the YouTube, the podcast, Brandon and I pretty much make ourselves. Our logos, <laughs> our logos are done by Tanisha Newman. Shout out Tanisha. That's Shout family. Tanisha. Okay, she's designed like our our podcast graphic and our official logo for College Mm -hmm. Game Time. But as far as our thumbnails, our article, our uh, uh, article featured images, any of those that are customized, we do that. We we do them ourselves. So I made it. And that takes the only reason I'm saying that is because it takes time. So I made a custom USC edit for this kid. (laughs) Flexing his muscles uh, with the with the USC stadium behind him. And then about an hour ago, B. Holmes, prior to us recording this episode, um, he made his commitment to Oregon. So I'm texting you like I had all the Facebook pages pulled up. I was ready to promote and blast this article, publish Mm -hmm. it and blast, follow our, our routine, our rhythm, try to get some engagement, try to get some interaction. Right. And he commits to Oregon. So literally in about 10 minutes, I had to go back through, rewrite the article for Oregon, remake all the graphics for Oregon, rewrite all my posts that I had prepared and get it all out there. Either way, it's up there. If you want to go read about the number one offensive lineman in the country and his commitment to the Oregon Ducks and Dan Lanning getting a big time splash, uh, go to collegegametime.com. If you're driving right now listening to us, wait till you get to a stopping point. Go to collegegametime.com, read the article on your phone. We may... Depending on when you're listening to this, we may already have some more content up there, but I promise you, you'll see it. It's there. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. My therapy session's over, B. Holmes. What what are we going to talk about on this episode, this final March Madness edition episode? Before we get there, it's actually just been a busy week for both of us. Um, I can't officially announce one part of this, but one part of this is I am moving, so... Your whole stuff going on today actually didn't affect me at all this entire week. So I'm like, <laughs> I have to pack an apartment by next week. Um, so and it's just me. So I'm like, sure, yeah, we can keep pushing it back. It's fine. I have so many other things that I need to get done. <laughs> but cool thing happened on this week. So Trey went and uh, spoke at this event yesterday, two days ago, on my way back from the gym. I actually got a phone call from George McGovern the uh, chaplain for the New York Yankees and New York Giants, Mm. which was a really, really um, freak opportunity, kind of how that happened. There's a guy I know 
from uh, around the way in Jersey. And, you know, we're just talking. And so if anybody knows me, my dream retirement job is to go be a character coach or a chaplain at the mm. University of Michigan. Like, mm. that's my retirement gig. Be around yes. the program, leave after the season, go to my ranch in Texas in the meantime, and then come back for spring ball, go back to my ranch and be back in the, for fall, use my house as a place for other young guys kind of come get mentored, et cetera, et cetera. Go to the game mm. on Saturday. So, anyways, talking this to a friend, and he's like, you know, I'm telling him that while we're at an event that I was having, and he was like, oh, man, you know, you would you ever be interested in, like, being a chaplain in sports? And I was like, well, I kind of did it in Texas for a while for high school. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, man, my, my mentor is the, um, the chaplain for the New York Yankees, New York Giants. Oh, I'll connect you. And I was like, okay, you know, yeah. you, you try not to get too high about it because you're like, yeah. You just never yeah. know how these things are going to kind of come through. And I'm not saying people are liars. You just know people get busy. Yeah. Sometimes people get caught up in conversation. You're just like, all right. Now, I don't doubt this guy because this guy is very, like, outstanding, great character. Um, and, yeah, literally I just get tagged on his email, like, the next day. Hey, <laughs> Pastor George, this is Brandon. We'd love for you to connect. And so he ended up calling me, man. And, I mean, we had some really good conversations. Supposed to meet up with him and um, the chaplain for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. And the chaplain for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Once mm. I um once I move, so I am moving to Florida. I can't announce that part. So I'm moving to Florida next week. So once I get down there, um, just going to start kind of connecting with these guys and see. They checked out the stuff at college game time, and they're like, "Yo, this is this is nice. I like this." So um, I don't know. Man. I just feel like college game time is just you know the whole conglomerate, not just the Blue Bloods podcast. Is I just think something special is happening here, and it's just kind of been like these like little chain small increments or small deposits and then it just kind of seems like everything's kind of coming full circle so exciting 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 news but anyways um about well, this hold episode. on hold on oh, on that note then since we're kind of yes kind of we're there putting some <laughs> seeds about like some teasers out there yeah, another yeah. benefit of last night at the event i was at had the chance to connect with a former OU player who also spent some time in the nfl and is still playing now i'm just not sure which league he's in but mm-hmm. he's uh, spent some time in the NFL, played at OU, and a former SMU player who has a phenomenal story. Both very interested in getting on our podcast. Yeah. I got in a zone last night where I'm just with all these people. I'm just I'm, the great thing about having this website is just being able to pull it up on your phone, say Go check this out, right look, now. Look, check look, us out look. right now. Yeah. Yep. So couple there, and then another uh, former Nebraska player. So our yeah. Nebraska fan base that may be listening, they love this, who man. also won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. So. It's kind of like you said, you can line it up, but it's getting it officially scheduled on the books and recorded. So mm-hmm. right now we'll at this point, that. I'm in a boat to in, in, in position to just follow up and make sure these leads, so to speak, come mm-hmm. through, but definitely have some exciting uh, prospects and potential uh, for our Blue Bloods podcast and really just our college game time brand and what we're trying to build. I mean, if you're a first time listener, you got to understand we started this in August of 2021, week zero, at the beginning of the college football season. Within a month and a half of doing this, we were contributing video content and written content for Sports Illustrated and the Fan Nation Network. And by Thanksgiving, we had realized we had started spending so much of our time with Sports Illustrated that it was beginning to take away from what our dream was, which was to build something from the ground up. At that time, we didn't even have the Blue Bloods college game time separate. I mean, we didn't have any of that yet. No, man. But we 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 stepped away from our SI stuff, and we went all in on mm-hmm. our podcast, our YouTube channel, and then went to work on getting a website built, which did launch over March Madness. Yep. And by the way, B. Holmes, I need to say this. Our numbers, the, the number of people we had reading our content in those three and a half weeks of March Madness exceeded 30,000 and <clears throat> thank you so much if yeah, you're if you were that. part of that and you're supporting and you're doing that appreciate uh it. you've actually put us in a place where we're now in a conversation with google uh about getting monetized on yep. the website our youtube currently is monetized so uh we are full steam ahead with trying to turn oh, this into man. more than just a hobby but really make this a, a living and a career and uh, those of you that have been listening from day one, thank you. Those we of you that are just it, now man. joining. So let, let's get in then to March Madness. I kind of want to reverse engineer the last weekend 
of the madness. Okay. So we're going to go in reverse order where obviously the most recent thing that happened, which was early in the week, right? but it was still the, the final sort of end piece to March Madness, which was Kansas defeated North Carolina to become national champions. Uh, we actually had a written piece on College Game Time about that. Got a good response. Uh, got some good feedback on that as well. But here's the question I have for you, B. Holmes, and I kind of want to kick this around a little bit. Bill Self. Yeah. Phenomenal body of work. Not just at Kansas. I mean, mm-hmm. his entire coaching career. Mm-hmm. With Coach K retiring, is Bill Self now the top active college basketball head coach? Um, you, I would say yes. Only for the fact that what's his name, Mark Few, choked again with Gonzaga. He's um, never won one. Yeah, he's never won one. Um, I think if they could have pulled through and won one this year, you could. It would have been the perfect. This is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. This would have been the perfect passing of the guard per se. If actually, I'm going to say it still is the perfect passing of the guard. Um, yeah, I would say self would be. I mean. It's weird, like, because Kansas is always good. Yeah. Like, no one denies Kansas. But it's like, in my personal opinion, they're like sneaky. They're not like this team that just blows you away every time. I feel like every time Kansas makes deep runs, people are like, oh, yeah, Kansas. Like, that's how I felt about them this year. Um, even though, because of what, they were number one in seed in their, in their, on their side of the bracket, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even then, though, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, you know. Kansas, like I wasn't like expecting, I had about probably eight other teams I would have picked in front of them. And Self has kind of had this continuous reign of success. And maybe, you know what? Maybe he doesn't get as much attention as he should have due to K, due to Roy Williams at um UNC. Like, you know, uh, Bay, what was it? Bayheim? Boheim? What is it? Yeah. Bayheim. Like, there's kind of been this like, gatekeeper esque of the the original guys. So yeah, I would say he probably is definitely like the next guy up. Um I think he has a sweet set situation up there at KU. Great program. I think the only thing that makes me go, mm, let's see is what's gonna happen with the Big Twelve now that Texas and OU are kind of shifting. Um where does he land? Where like what role does that play in that? I wanna I wanna revisit that after we finish this, because that's kind of the next thing I want to talk about before we get into the final four piece. But here's my take on it. So I think obviously you have coach Cal, right? Uh, Uh, Yeah. I'm just saying he, you got to put him, put him on there. I got you. No, Uh, Jay Wright, Villanova. I mean, now I would put him over self. Okay. I wouldn't. And here's why. The reason why is because his success hasn't been as sustained for as long as Bill Self's. To your point, we kind of forget that, one, Self has been at Kansas for nearly 20 years. Mm -hmm. I think 03-04 was his first season. I'd have to look it up. It was either 03-04-04-05. was his first season at Kansas. Won it all in 2008. Remember the game against Memphis? It was actually Coach Cal's. Yeah, with Derrick Rose and then Chalmers hit the shot. So, And then it's kind of like they went on this championship drought for the last 15 years, whatever it's been. So you were right, 2003. Was it 2003? 2003. But if you look at his history... The guy is in the Elite Eight. Almost half of the years he's been in the NCAA tournament, and he's been in the NCAA tournament like 20-something years straight, going back, right? Also four Final Fours as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lost another national championship game to um, Coach Cal, actually, at Kentucky. That was the Anthony Mm -hmm. Davis year. I'm just thinking his resume... 
I mean, look at the Big 12 titles he's won regular season. Look at the Big 12 conference championships. Yeah, look at the Elite Eights, the Final Fours. And now it's like I, I, I think getting that second championship was kind of just that ultimate validator or, 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 yes. or maybe that's not the right word, but that, that final stamp of approval of he's the elite. He's in the elite mm -hmm. of the elites. And who knows? Kansas could win a couple more before he ends up leaving, but at least he can say he won two. Mm -hmm. And then you, you pair that with all the other tournament success, all the other regular season success sustained yeah. over, you know, two and a half decades. Because even prior to Kansas, he was at Illinois. One was in the tournament every year at Illinois. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, he was at Tulsa. In his last season at Tulsa, he took them to the Elite Eight. So the guy can coach. He's a Glad winner. And I do think we kind of take Kansas's greatness or sustained success for granted because we do, we just kind of expect them to win the big 12 and get in the tournament and maybe win two or three games, but they're not going to win it all. I think we just kind of gotten conditioned to go, yeah, they're really good and they're going to be a one seed, but they're not going to win it all because right. they never win it all. Oh, they right. had that one year where they beat Memphis. And I think he kind of was able to silence that with this win over North Carolina. And I have yeah. to say, I, I don't know. I love Jay Wright. And if it was a, a, a best dressed contest, I definitely would, would give Jay Wright the upper hand. But I think you've seen his dynasty with Villanova really start to take shape over the last decade. Yeah, you Two know, decades. five to 10 years, whereas Selfs has been over the last 15 to 20 years. So that's the only well, reason why I think I would put self. And we can't forget Rick Patino is also still an active head coach. That's true. I just thought about now, him too. One thing I want to say though, because I pulled up self, right? Compared okay. to Jay Wright. So Bill Self, we'll just let's just take his reign at Kansas, 2003 to now. Jay Wright's been at Villanova since 2001. Okay. Uh, Bill Self has two NCAA Division I tournaments, so two national titles. Championships. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 08, 22. Four Final Fours, 08, 12, 18, 22. Nine Big 12 tournament wins. 16 Big 12 regular season tournament. Uh, I mean, regular season championships. Excuse me. Sorry. Now, Jay Wright. Two natties, 16 and 18. Mm -hmm. Four final fours, 09, 16, 18, 22. Mm. Two, uh, well, so they, it was the American, it was the American East for a little bit before it became the Big East. Is that what it was? Anyways. He has five Big East tournament titles and then eight Big East regular season titles. Okay. Two-time name is College Coach of the Year. I didn't look at self. Did self ever get that? Um, he just got the AP. He had the name is College Coach of the Year in, 20, in 2012 and then the AP College Coach of the Year. This is now, this is why I'm saying I'm actually starting to like Jay a little bit better. I like Big East basketball a lot better than Big 12. Fair. So my question is this. Could Bill Self, and I'm not too familiar how good Kansas was before he got there. I'm not sure. I can't. I would have to go back and look. But we Oh, they were good. Jay, they had Roy yeah. Williams. Okay. So you know Jay Wright built Nova out of nothing. Well, he brought them back. They were kind of brought, that, like, they were the, they were the, 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 the they hottest were the in the 80s. Of the Gotcha. And I think that American East you're looking at was when he was at Hofstra. So he has okay, been yeah. in the Big East since 0102 with right. Villanova. So my 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 thing is, could this is my question. I don't know. It's a hypothetical. Could Bill Self do what he's doing at Kansas in the Big East? Fair question. That would be that's why I would go with Jay Wright. As much as I don't like to, because he's beat Michigan like three times. And <laughs> it's just it's like every time we play, I'm like, we're going to lose. We just can't figure him out. But I just think the Big East is a harder conference in its entirety from top to bottom. Um, because when you really think about the Big 12, like I remember even from what I've been, I was in high school when he started at Kansas. And it was kind of mm -hmm. like Kansas was the elite program of the Big 12. They've always kind of been just recently what Baylor's kind of been more competitive. 
Texas Tech has kind of stepped up a little oh, bit yeah. over the last couple of years. But the Big East has always been competitive. So, and I don't know if I believe Jay Wright could do what he does at Nova in the Big 12. I believe he's a builder and could do that. I don't know if Self could do that, what he did at Kansas. That's the caveat. He inherited a a very stable ship. Mm. Um, but not to take anything away from him. I still think he's a great coach for him. Because if we're going to talk about, I mean, I might be segueing too fast, but the adjustments he made to go win the national title that his team did this week, phenomenal. Phenomenal. So I can't take that away. Like, I'm not going to say he's a bad coach. I just, I don't. And, and and dare I say, maybe Jay Wright does more with less. Okay. You know, and I'm actually looking now when you talked about the Big East because I would, I would right now today pick the Big 12 as the tougher conference than the Big East. Today, however, yes. however, I would not say that over the tenure of the amount of years that we're talking about. I yes. guess I'm looking at Villanova thinking they won those two championships and got to another one there in like such a short window of time. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten even how much how much sustained success he's had over the last 20 plus years. Yes. And I'm looking now remembering Pitt had some tough teams. They were in the Big yeah. East. Louisville yes. with Rick Patino yes. won a national they championship. The they Michigan. were in the Big East. Yep. Syracuse was a Big East team. UConn winning national titles, yep. Big East team. So I, 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 I see that argument. I don't think you could go wrong either way. Yeah, me neither. But I'm going to give you a revisionist history story now that most people know, but I think most people from, from this fan base know, but not most people know, generally speaking. Do you know where Bill Self Almost ended up coaching. No. Arkansas. He was set to be Arkansas's next head coach to replace Nolan Richardson. Really? He was coming off of his, I believe it was when he was coming off that Elite Eight season at Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And I'll let all the conspiracy theorists explain what they think happened but uh if you don't know nolan richardson's tenure at arkansas did not have the happiest of endings and things have since been all smoothed over and everything is in a good position in fact the court is named after nolan richardson now Mm -hmm. but kind of at the last minute they pivoted and they hired stan heath who had had one year of experience as a head coach at i believe kent state Hmm. Uh, it was now granted it was a successful season, but he had a lot of years, uh, under Tom Izzo went with him and his tenure fizzled out pretty quick. Then we hired Pelfrey, the former Patino player and assistant. And, uh, and also more recently was an assistant for Billy Donovan at Florida, but hired him, his tenure fizzled out quickly. Then we got Mike Anderson. He helped rebuild some things, but he seemed mm-hmm. to hit a ceiling. And then now over the course of that 20 years, we get Musselman in there who's really seemed to have awakened the giant. But getting back to your original point, had Self come in at that point in time, he may have been faced with a more similar situation that Jay Wright was faced with at Villanova where, okay, it's a a prestigious program, but it's in a a state where it needs some rebuilding and some, Mm. like I said, uh, Richardson. Now, granted, they did win the SEC tournament with Joe Johnson right there, I think a couple years before he got out. But anyways, that's just a quick uh, story on Bill Self. So yeah, I guess last question before we move on, because I want to kind of get into that Big 12 a little bit more just just right now, Mm -hmm. actually. But would you put Self and Wright, you know, either or over Patino? Separating from Patino's drama, just his pure yeah, coaching, just pure uh, coaching resume. No, no, Patino is—he's like the Godfather, man. He's—I think because of all the drama, people forget how phenomenal of a basketball coach he is. Like phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Um, it's unfortunate that that's not what's being highlighted at this point of his tenure or his legacy, let me say that. I t- 
to me, because growing up, I mean, growing up in, in in Detroit, man, like everybody knows Rick Pitino. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's the dude in the north. Like you know, Coach Pitino. Um, I, yeah, definitely. Because I, when I think about like passing of the guard and who's top, I think about entirety, not just like coaching record, but I think about notoriety. I think about um, like influence. If you walked into the room, are people going to be? Like, so I'm going to be honest. If Bill Self walked in the room, I would probably be like, yo, that guy looks mad familiar. Mm. And somebody would have to be like, oh, yeah, that's Bill Self. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Jay Wright, maybe a little more because he has that George Clooney look. Um, Mm. Like, you know, but still, it's newer. His success to me, his national brand success is way newer. Um, Patino is just that. Like, it's just, it's Rick. It's Patino. So, like, if he walked into a room right now, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, you, you see who it is? Like, it's Coach Patino. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's just this different – I hate that all the drama went down because I think it just took away from the greatness of, a, of the coach. And the – I would say – to me, I, I feel like Patino probably has, like, this aura around him. I feel like Bill Self is, like, the guy I see at my local Walmart. You know, nothing against mm-hmm. him. Just I would see him. Jay Wright, he reminds me of a dad that like lives in Frisco, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But I wouldn't be like nervous to meet him. I'd be like, "Oh, good to meet you, you know. Great to yeah. meet you." Um, Rick Patino, I don't get starstruck a lot, but I believe if I like saw him, I would be like, "Oh my!" Oh. I would te- I would be te- like, if I met Jay yeah. Wright, I'm not like, "Yo, guess who I just met?" I'm just yeah, like, "Oh, okay, right, yeah." Right. You know, oh, I didn't tell you. I was walked past Jay yeah, Wright the other day. Yeah, yeah. If I meet Coach Patino, I'm texting every guy I know that likes basketball, like. <laughs> You would not get like, and I don't ask for. I mean, I've met a lot of people with influence. Yeah, that's it's that that's not a flex. I'm just saying I don't ask for pictures a lot, hardly right. ever. It's like my rule not to. Coach Patino's a guy. I'm like, yo, you mind if I get a picture real quick? Because that's a picture you frame on your wall. That's right. that's a picture you put in a picture frame. So all that to say, because I think there's levels to this. Not just co- there's 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 a whole thing that comes with that. No, no drama side. No way. Not even close. Drama aside, there's just one thing that really just irks me about Patino. And it's not even Patino's fault. It's the media's fault. Yeah. When he was at Kentucky and Nolan Richardson was at Arkansas, that kind of became Mm. really the beginnings of the Kentucky-Arkansas basketball rivalry. Right. I don't want to say the beginnings. Obviously, Sutton left Arkansas to go to Kentucky. I don't want to say the beginnings of it, but it was really a prime time for that rivalry. Because both teams won national titles in that window of time. Mm -hmm. Both teams went to more than one Final Four. Arkansas obviously went to -to back-to-back national championship games. And then Kentucky won a couple, but I think only one of them was with Patino. And they ran the exact same style of defense and offense. Let me say it this way. They, they, had, they, they both had the same philosophies. Yeah. But the media spoke about Patino like he was this innovator and basketball genius. Mm-hmm. While Nolan Richardson, who was doing the exact same thing and had been, if you look at his entire history of coach, it just got written off as, oh, they're playing street ball. They're not playing organized basketball. I mean, so, so, so they're doing the same exact thing, yet Patino's getting crowned as like this basketball genius, and Nolan Richardson's being told, oh, he's just out there playing street ball. They ain't, they ain't playing organized ball. He just got really good players, and they're just out there. Yeah. There's no real coaching going on. And, and that, <laughs> I just that bothers me as a Razorback fan and obviously as a Nolan Richardson fan because I do think that those – Arkansas teams, those great teams of the 90s, it's like the media was always trying to take something away from them. Whereas mm-hmm. with Patino, it was how can we make him look? And I'm not saying Patino hasn't earned that. So that's what I'm saying. It's right. not even his fault. But right. the, the, the sort of double standard there always has bothered me. But there, that's, there's that's always more the be media. in the media. But uh, – I don't, I don't know that I can disagree with what you're saying about Patino, the coach. Uh, I mean, he just, he, he, he was the total package. Where he probably went wrong, and he had to do this, 
But his his stints in the NBA, yeah. if he would have just stayed in college, my goodness. He, he probably would be better than Coach K. Yeah, I mean, Celtics fans can't stand the guy. They say he ruined Celtic basketball because yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where he went after Providence where he coached. No, that's where he went after Kentucky. And Tubby oh. Smith. I forgot about Tubby. Yeah. He's he I think he went to the NBA, maybe to the Knicks. I'm looking at it now. Look at where he went after Providence. Because I think he went to Providence from Providence to the NBA. He went from, from the Providence M- to the Knicks, then to Kentucky, then to the Celtics, then Louisville. Louisville. Right. Then so his little stop his little stopgap years. Yeah, when all the drama came to the surface, he went and coached overseas. And then now he's at Iona. Iona, yeah. Okay. Let's get off that for a second. Let's let's get to I want to talk about the Big 12 for a second. I think this conference is becoming the SEC West, how or not even that see how we view the SEC in football. I think that the Big 12 is becoming that in college basketball, and I could almost make an argument that them losing Texas and OU and gaining Houston? Oh, I forgot about yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm, the I Big get, 12 is about to have four teams that could, in theory, be in the Final Four. Yeah. And I'm not saying just these four teams, but like as of recent history, mm-hmm. you've got Baylor and Kansas. I, I honestly think Baylor is about to hit a stride where they win one or two more, and Scott Drew starts to cement himself as one of those guys in the college coaching kind of history books. Hmm. I think that um, you got Baylor, Kansas, Mm -hmm. Tech. If Mark Mark Adams Adams can continue to sustain what it appears he's, he's building off of what Beard, what him and Beard built initially. Mm -hmm. And then Houston, you look at what Kelvin, uh, uh, Kelvin Sampson is building. And I talked about this earlier this week (coughs) in a staff meeting. One of my, well, I'll save this for the end. There's a quote from Kelvin Sampson I'm going to talk about because I have our final piece to this episode and I'll bring yeah. it up then. But what he's doing at Houston has been amazing. And I think you're going to have four teams in the Big 12. It's already a dogfight every week. It's right. already a dogfight every night. Those four teams could compete for a national championship. I mean, heck, all of them have been in the final four in the last three tournaments. True. Three of the teams have either won and or played for a title. I mean, you got to think the last three national title games, you had Tech, you had Baylor, and mm-hmm. you had Kansas. Mm-hmm. And then you had Houston in the Final Four last year and came pretty right. dang close this year to getting back. Super and close. they were missing their two best players. So that's true. Um, that's all I want to say on the Big 12. Let me. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Okay. Final four. I said we're going to reverse engineer. What was your biggest takeaway or your your kind of most notable thing from the final four games? Caleb Love out of North mm. Carolina is that dude. The dude is, and I say this as a guy that doesn't like North Carolina, um, Duke embodies everything. The old Duke, not the new age Duke. The old Duke embodies everything of who I am as a competitor. Snobby kid who grew up privileged that's still going to school you on the field or on the court, and you're going to hear me talk about it. It's <laughs> I would have been, if I was my, if I had my dad's basketball skill level and size, I would have been the perfect player to go to Duke. Mm. Love the villain role. Like, if one of my kid hoops, all he is seeing is Duke highlights of the old Duke, like gritty. Mm-hmm. I would have been the perfect fit at Duke. From Detroit, gritty, tough nose defense, annoying, talk a lot of trash. I'm smarter than you. I'm richer than you. And I'm going to tell you about it every time <laughs> we play. Um, for those who don't know, like, if you ever watch the movie 8 Mile where the guy goes, you went to Cranbrook, that's a private school. It's a real school, and I really went there. <laughs> Look it up. Um, Clarence, it, parents it, have it, a real good it, marriage. Yes. 
And we were so proud to be in that movie. We're like, that's right. Like, <laughs> let me just tell you, the type of kids that went to that school, like, when we beat you and stuff, it was like, oh, my God. Not only are we – because it was the number three prep school in the country. Not only are mm. we smarter than you, we're richer than you. Um, <laughs> like, we're just arrogant. So, anyways, um, I say this all to say – I don't. I went on a tangent. Caleb Love, man. I I wanted to see Coach K go out on the high horse, ride the horse out of town into the sunset. Mm. And I said this last week's episode when we talked about him. I'm going to say it again. The kid just has it. And we Mm. talk about this as sports pundits. We talk about this as former athletes. There's guys that are skilled and talented. If you're playing at this level, you have all the skill and talent in the world. Mm. There's no doubt about it. Does not mean that you have it. And it was just something about when the game... And I remember when I was watching the game between Carolina and Duke, I just got this feeling, and I was like, he's going to do it again. Mm. He's going to take over. Like, I could feel when the moment was getting big, you, it was like you could just feel it in him, like, it's not too, mad, it's not too big for me. This is my moment. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't teach somebody that. Either you have it or you don't. And I'm watching him, and I was so – when the game was tight, I kept going, He's going to take over. It's a matter of time. Like, it's just a matter of time. Unfortunately, he couldn't kind of quite find that in the Kansas game. He was trying. He was close. He was trying. He was trying. And I I could respect it because you know what? Even though he was trying, I believe every person that really watched him play this tournament was like, all he needs to do is hit one bucket. If he hits one, it's Mm -hmm. over. And I I just got to give kudos to him, man. The kid, I was so impressed. Um, I love his game. I love his tenacity. I love his confidence. I love his demeanor. Um, he was just like my favorite part, honestly, of the NCAA tournament, one of my favorite players, but also my favorite part of the Final Four because he really had me like, this guy can will. It was reminding me of like Cardiac Kimba when they had that run at mm-hmm. UConn when you were just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's kind of like what love was kind of giving me. So I don't know how his game will translate to the next level. I don't really care to talk about that right now. I'm just saying for what he did in his tournament, just hats off to him, man. It was incredible because I watched Carolina play every game and mm-hmm. every game when they needed it. It was just you saw it. It was it, it was it was a great I love seeing that. When I watch sports, when you can just see, and I think you get to see it a little bit more in basketball than you mm-hmm. do in other sports, because football, you're depending. If you're a receiver, you need you need the ball to get to you. They can bracket you. you there's so many ways to kind of get around basketball. You can't really run from that. Like mm-hmm. it's it's to me, it's the perfect showcase of the dude. Because mm-hmm. if the dude has it, man, and it's it's amazing to watch. That would be my favorite thing. I would honestly, my biggest takeaway from the Final Four is. Caleb Love is he's amazing, man. Yeah, I, I was I, I struggled like watching him in that Kansas game because you could tell he kept trying to find it, kept trying to find it, kept trying to find it. And then when they got in that last four, three, four minutes of the game, kind of that winning time, mm-hmm. it's like he was trying to force it at that point. And yeah. you know, he took probably a a, a little little too early. Three. Let's just call it what it was. It was a bad shot. Yeah, on their like second to last position, not the last one where right. the guy stepped out of bounds, and they, I'm saying the set, the possession before that, mm-hmm. when there was still you know 19 it's seconds, I think, and he took it from you know almost the logo. It, it was just like it wasn't there. Maybe try to get to the rim, but anyways, I agree with you. That dude, it was it was inspirational watching him against Duke. I mean, he willed his team to victory. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, my biggest takeaway was getting back to our question we ended last week's episode with, which was what would be a more epic finish to Coach K's career, him winning it all and riding off into the sunset, or him getting bounced by North Carolina in the Final Four. And I made an argument that him getting bounced by Carolina in the Final Four would be a more epic ending to his career because it would be better for the game of college basketball. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it would fuel the most significant rivalry in college basketball and what I believe will be for the next 30 years. Yeah. You will not hear Carolina fans stop, even though they just lost the national title. They'll get over that in their mind. And from here on out, you will never hear them 
stop talking about the fact that they ended Coach K's career. Um, what was it we were looking? Were we talking? He lost like he lost his first game to. He them. lost his first game to Carolina. Lost, lost his last game at his retirement ceremony to them, and then lost the last game of his career in the Final Four. First time in his entire 42-year career, but first time ever that those two teams faced each other in the Final Four, and he lost. And now he's no longer the head coach at Duke. If I'm Just Coach K, I'm running it back, bro. I'm running it back. Like, the competitor, I'm straight, like, I'm, and I feel bad for Coach K. Um, me and you were texting about it. I don't. I don't understand the hatred. Now I know. Now I understand one person's hatred. My cousin Nidra's. I know why she hates K. Shout out. Funny story though. Shane Battier, cause Shane she raised Shane. Mm. Shane knows she hates Coach K so much. He actually set her next to him at his wedding. Um, and she literally looked K in the face and said, "You know I don't want to sit next to you, right?" So they're familiar. They know each other. But outside of that, I I don't understand the hate of Coach K. And maybe I can look back to it. The greatest comparison I have is to this. When I was a kid, I hated Michael Jordan. People are like, what? I grew up in Detroit. We don't like Michael Jordan. That was not a Mm -hmm. thing. And I didn't like LeBron James for a while because of what he did to the Pistons. But as I've gotten older, I got to – you kind of start thinking, these are once-in-a-lifetime guys. Mm -hmm. You never get to see this again. The odds of this happening again – the run that K had, the success he had. It's undeniable. It, it, yeah, it's just like you, I appreciate it. So I just don't quite understand the ultimate hatred of Coach K and like Duke. Because to me, in my mind, I would almost envision him, this would be the team America loves to love. Prestigious academics, you don't, air quotes, cheat to find success. Coach K, the loyalist. Like, mm. all of these, you would think this would be the team America loves. But yet, man, I feel like, unless you're just a straight Duke fan, everyone loves to see this guy. So I hate that it is that way. But I have a theory on that, though. I have a theory on that. I think it's a couple of things. I think, one, it's fatigue, which is what you kind of just alluded to. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's Duke fatigue, Coach K fatigue. Kind of like with Nick Saban and Bama, right? A lot of people are just over it. It's like, okay, can we get some parity back in college football? We're, we get it. Bama is the best. You know, if you've listened, they were, you're not beating Bama. You right, know, that right, was just right. a whole, that became a bit <laughs> on our thing. show. Yeah. But even there's a, diff, a discrepancy there where Coach K has, like Nick Saban, he'll still have a soundbite that just kind of surfaces from one of his press conferences. It's just mm-hmm. like a golden nugget of wisdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've taught leadership lessons on like a Nick Saban quote that he just yep. shared in a press conference. For example, we try to teach guys to play with emotion without getting emotional. He said right. that at SEC, at the uh, SEC, uh, what do they call it? Media days, Media uh, days. like two or three what years ago. Yeah. And I took that quote and turned it into like a whole presentation. You kind of started losing that with Coach K. He kind of started stepping back from um, that spotlight of things. And it seemed like we are now on our third coach who actually handled press conferences with John Shire this past mm-hmm. season. But before that, it was Capel. And then before yep. that, it was Wojo. Yeah, well, right. Wojo Woj. got the job at Marquette. Yeah, yep. Wojo got the job at Marquette. Capel's at Pitt. And then now, finally, Shire is actually going to be the Duke head coach. But it's like you had three guys who were set to be the guy and it's like they you know got tired of waiting for k to finally retire so they went elsewhere i also think that he's gotten a bit more grumpy in his older years you know i think things really started shifting that year when he started chewing out the student section because he thought they were booing capel when Pitt yeah. came to Duke and like, I think he ended up apologizing for it, but that was a horrible look. I mean, he literally looked like a grumpy old man, like <laughs> screaming, get off my lawn. Yeah. Saban has his moments too, but 
A lot of times, if you really listen to the sound bites of Saban when he goes off, it's one of two reasons. It's either because he's trying to motivate his team or he's trying to um, advocate for his team. Yeah. I Coach agree. K seems to have really like started to take a lot more personal. And it, it, it was more personal, his anger. Yeah. It, it wasn't so much about where like with even with Saban's, you you feel like it's very strategic. You mm-hmm. feel like it's okay, he's getting emotional right here and he's getting fired up and he's very passionate about what he's saying. But this is calculated. Right. Like exactly. this is by design. I think with Coach K, he's it, you kind of going. God, he's just very like old and grumpy and like <laughs> angry and upset. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think those are part of why that hate has become so much more prominent. Because you got to think back in the early '90s, it was there, but that's because you had like the polarizing figure of Christian Leitner, and they right. were just they represented all those things that you were saying that right. the Team America loved to hate, and they just yeah, kept right. winning. They just kept coming back, and then it was like Coach K became this lovable figure. That everybody, you know, particularly with like the Dunleavy, Jay Williams, like that. I feel like that squad. That was a great era. Everyone was was a Duke person. And then somewhere over this last decade, when he's kind of started to take some steps back, um, I don't know. It might have been the one and done era. I think. I think he really had a hard time adjusting. To that because you have to think his whole tenure has been you know we know how it was in college basketball you come you play yeah. three years it was a big deal when guys left their junior year of college back then like whoa yeah. um i think i think that's probably a huge part of it i think um listen i'm gonna say everybody cheats there was a bag man everywhere even at duke mm-hmm. i don't care what anybody says but i think you know with the the quick how because if we think about it, the one Calipari, shout out to him. There needs to be a documentary how he shifted the landscape of college basketball with the one and done. Oh, one and not done. It's a okay. 30 for 30. Oh, I haven't seen that. I need to see yeah. that. Then. My bad. Oh, yeah. It I, goes, but I takes it back to Marcus Camby. But go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I think that's a big thing. I think that probably kind of because you know, oh, people from a former season of how stuff is done. There's there's two type of people. Either there's the type of person that gripes and gets really frustrated about it, or it's the person that embraces it. Like I believe Saban's a guy that embraces it. I don't think he necessarily agrees with NIL. I think he doesn't like it personally, but I think he understands this is just the landscape of the game. Either I decide to shift and change, like he's kind of done with the spread offense. Either I shift, I adjust, I change so I can keep winning, or I just need to kind of get out. Mm-hmm. And I think K held on I agree I think he held on too long because I think that really affected probably his mood in this because he came in the era where no I'm gonna go get these guys and and you remember there's like brief stint where he tried to stick with the still like we're gonna kind of develop these three four oh, year yeah. guys and yeah. they were getting ran off the court yeah. and then he realized I have to okay. adjust the game I'm gonna go get Jalil Okafor I'm gonna go yeah, get yeah I'm gonna do the and I think he just I don't think that sat right with him I think he did it to because you kind of had to do it to keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. I think that probably affected him a lot, a, a little bit because in his heart of heart, I believe he's just a coach, which we all believe coaches are connectors. They love pouring their leaders, their developers mm-hmm. and the one and done removes that, you know, because I don't think most people understand one and done's how this works. Um, you come in for summer basketball, you play, you know, you train all fall. Really what season starts October. Mm-hmm. October, November is you start, you know, you start playing mm-hmm. your preseason, your your not mm-hmm. your midnight madness, and then listen. I was a college athlete. The basketball players are never in class, mm-hmm. so they're gone. And then March Madness comes. Once you lose a tournament, when you're one and done, you're like, I'm out. Yeah. So you really only get to know, and based upon like guidelines, they can't meet with the ki- the kids in the summer anyway. So you don't get the family atmosphere. You really get to talk to a kid maybe like five months, four months, mm-hmm. and then. Mm-hmm. They're out, but if to your point, the Dunleavy's, the Jay Williams, the Shane Battiers, the Corey Maggettis, the Trajan Langdon's, yeah, Tra- you know, you think about JJ Redick was there three, four years. John mm-hmm. Shire was there for four years. Mm-hmm. Like Shire won a title. Greg Paulus, the Plumley brother. Like, yeah. there was this era where okay, you can look at Duke and being like, okay, well, Duhan's back, Williams is back. They got Paulus coming in from Syracuse. Like, you could say. 
oh, next year's Duke's team is going to be great because I know A, B, C, and D are back. That what well, as of what probably like 2012, 2013, that stopped happening. Um, it became like, ah, he's there and he's gone, which if I'm being honest, turned me away from college basketball because I'm like, I can't keep up. That used mm. to be my lore of college basketball. I know who's coming back. I mm. think that probably affected him more than he'll ever let on. Um, because yeah, he never probably, really believed in it. He never believed in it. And I think it took away from probably, yes, he loves coaching basketball, but I think it took him away from what basketball actually meant for him, which is community, family, all these other things. And right. he probably should have retired a decade ago, but I, I agree. Such is life. <laughs> well, I say let's 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 bring this to a close. I've got one last question uh, for us to answer, and it's just essentially, in a nutshell, it could be anything. It could be a play. It could be a player. It could be a coach. It could be a quote. It could be a moment. What is your biggest takeaway from all of March Madness? It could be anything. Your biggest takeaway, like if there was something that either inspired you or motivated you or like, like just moved you yeah, about the tournament, what was it? I would say is this is it's like it works hand in hand is one. You always prepare like it's your moment. So when your moment comes, you can take advantage of it like St. Peter's. I think that's just like years of hard work, years of grit, years of grind, um, which I'm kind of like experiencing in my personal life. Like mm. I've worked hard to get what I'm stepping into. But then I think there's also the beauty of the redemption story and the don't be so quick to judge because you might have to actually look that person in the face when it's all said and done in Juwan Howard, which is mm. very inspirational for me to see what happened Obviously, we know what happened at Wisconsin. Right. To see how he kind of was like, and obviously, you guys know I'm a Michigan fan, and I love Jawan. Be the national media punching bag for a little bit and knowing that's what everyone's going to talk about Mm -hmm. the moment you step on the sideline, getting bounced out of the Big Ten early, the Big Ten tournament early, and really just kind of a team that everybody said had no business being there and just saying, which is one of my favorite lines in life, nobody's coming to save us. Mm. Nobody's coming to save us, so we got to go get it on our own. Mm. Um, And so it's just like, I think they work hand in hand. It's just like this opportunity meets preparation. Like no one knows if if you prepare right, if you train, if you stay disciplined, if you grind, if you hustle, I believe you're going to get your big break. Doesn't mean you don't have obstacles, you know, in Jawan's case. Doesn't mean you don't have setbacks. We all have them. But how you respond to that is great. But then seeing St. Peter's, a team that nobody knew about. I didn't even Mm. know they existed, and I live an hour away from the campus. (laughs) Like, that's just truth. Like, I had no clue. Um, Mm. And how quick your life can change in the matter of your preparation, if it's ready. Because Doug, uh, whatever his name is, or is it Doug? I don't know. The dude who shoots. Um, Dude went from being nobody and virtually two... Yeah, virtually two weeks he was a Buffalo Wild Wings NIL athlete. And now he's transferring to, a, like, I believe a power, he's probably going to get picked up by a Power 5 schools. Three mm-hmm. of their starters are going to get picked up by bigger-name programs. And so it was just inspiring for me because I'm like, okay, if you work, you grind, you put the work in, you, you stay quiet. Because I'm sure they had that in them, like, oh, I could, I could be here. Like, I deserve to be here. And when the moment came, they proved oh, I deserve to be here, and those guys are going to get a chance to prove why they should be there. Um, mm. So that was very inspiring for me, man, just to keep working, especially with what we're building. And yeah. um, it's just like, you know, we're putting the work in. we got 26 episodes, ton of content. We've been grinding, grinding. Like, I mean, we have thousands of hours of content <laughs> on our yeah. YouTube. Yeah, and to crazy. know, like, tomorrow could be the day somebody stumbles upon this at work, and it's like, oh, by the way, Fox Sports is calling, and they want to pick you up and sign you guys to an exclusive rights deal. You know, you just mm. never know. So you never know. Super inspiring me for me, man. Well, to just piggyback off of that, mine was coach Kelvin Sampson. And I started to talk about this earlier, but this is, I wanted to save it for this segment. He said a quote and he actually said it twice in March. Mm-hmm. He said it after they won the American athletic conference tournament. 
Mm-hmm. And then he said it after they won their Sweet 16 game against Arizona, I believe. Mm-hmm. They upset Arizona, who was the one seed, who I thought was head and shoulders above every other team in the field and was going to win the national championship. Houston beat them in the Sweet mm-hmm. 16 to get to the Elite Eight. And he was asked again the same question, and he gave the same exact answer. And he said, in our program, well, let me say this. The question he's getting asked is, you're going to your third straight Sweet 16. You're going to your second straight Elite Eight. You were in the Final Four last year. How are you sustaining this success when you lost your two best players? Uh, I believe Marcus mm-hmm. Sasser was the leading scorer. I don't know if the other one was the second best player, but he was a big-time freshman. He actually ended up playing a little bit, uh, I think, at the end of the season. But you lost two of your top guys back in December. How are you doing this? And he said, in our program, we believe in our culture. He said, we talk about when you water a tree, Mm -hmm. you don't water the leaves, you water the roots. And the roots of our program is our culture and our players believe in it. And I think that's just a statement that's so profound because it's relevant to any area of life. You just talked about the journey we're on with this whole College Game Time Blue Bloods podcast, just sort of vision and journey. The bottom line is, is I take that as, is if we continue to water the roots, what are the roots of our life? The little Mm -hmm. things, the day-to-day disciplines, the daily habits, the hard Mm -hmm. things, the little things, those very minuscule decisions that start to compound over time, like doing a video, you know, doing a weekly podcast, at least for this, interacting with someone, showing them the website, putting up an article, like, and not getting so wrapped up in how many views and how many hits or how many this and how many of that Mm -hmm. and when's this, when's that? No, let's just each day, you know, I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my kids. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do the absolute best job I can do. I'm going to take care of my body physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, emotionally. And then in due time, those roots produce these massive trees. And then we've obviously listened to a series called Bamboo Season. Shout out (laughs) uh, Pastor Pastor Todd, Michael Todd. But I might mess this up, but bamboo is one of those trees or whatever that grows from the ground like almost instantly yeah it's like you put all this work into water and water and cultivate 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 and then boom it just shoots up out of the ground yeah and i think that that's also a season that everyone will have a chance to experience so my last thing as we close out our march madness whatever your dreams are water the roots of your dreams yeah whatever that means It might be making a decision right now to send a text to somebody. It might mean Googling a how-to for something. It might mean buying that domain name that's just burning within you. Take some sort of action right now. As soon as you finish this podcast, listen to the whole thing first. But as soon as you finish (laughs) this podcast, take action. Do one little thing to get you closer to your dream. Yeah. And then tomorrow, do another little thing. And then the next right. day, do another little thing. And then the next day, do another little thing. And then see where you're at six months from now. See sure. where you're at six days, six weeks. Because I guarantee you, if you continue to water the roots to those dreams, it will only be a matter of time before they start to come true. What happens is, is most people will water, will water, will water, and then give up. Because they're tired of feeling like they're watering dirt every single day. B. Holmes, you said it on last week's episode. You said most podcasts flame out or or go dead. Don't make it to 50. Don't make it to the 50th episode. And that's the thing is our vision right now, I'm thinking about the 500th episode. Yes. Because I don't care if it's dirt. I don't care if it's a massive oak tree. I don't care what it looks like. I'm bringing that pail of water and I'm going to water the roots every single day until this thing gets to the place that we know it's called to be. So I'm signing off. That's all I got. It's Trey Smith. You can follow on uh, Twitter at It's Trey Smith, all our other socials, uh, TikTok and YouTube. It's College Game Time. 
Uh, find us there. We're Instagram, back on the socials, man. Yeah, We're yeah, back. absolutely. Instagram and Facebook. It's Blue Blood C- CGT. We're gonna probably try to streamline that even more as well. But yep. um, come find us. We're not hard to find. Real B Homes on Twitter, and uh, that's all I got, man. That's all I got, man. Well, we thank you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for our day oners. We love you guys, man. Yes. People living and our new and the newbies. Um, thank you guys for all the support. It's been a great run. Um, look out for our interviews and uh, the countdown to college football has begun. Until next time. College, peace. College football. I love March Madness. Man, I love college.